APIs are part of our daily roles as software developers, but what are they really? What different types are there and how can you design a good one? Welcome to the Ladybug Podcast. I'm Kelly. I'm Sydney. I'm Allie. And I'm Emma, and we're debugging the tech industry. Building an effective website for your organization requires close collaboration between developers and marketers. But most content management systems are only optimized for the needs of one team or the other. That's why we're excited to introduce HubSpot CMS Hub, a flexible content management system that is both powerful and easy to use. With CMS Hub, you can develop sites locally with the tools and frameworks you prefer, then deploy to HubSpot, where marketers can create and edit content using drag-and-drop interfaces within the guardrails you set. CMS Hub comes out of the box with all the standard features needed for a fast, secure, and reliable site. Plus, we handle the platform management so you can spend more time building remarkable experiences. Learn more and create a free developer test account at hubspotdev.co forward slash start. Hello. Uh, We get to talk about a very fun topic today, which is APIs. Uh, When's the last time you used an API? Yesterday, (laughs) probably. It was about three, uh, four hours ago. Yeah, (laughs) I think that's, or probably like if you use Twitter, there's probably an API there that Twitter's ingesting or uh, we use Slack a lot. So I Does that work with email too? APIs are everywhere. (laughs) Gmail might have probably one. so. Yeah, I mean, a few I, yeah, ago? most likely. I use I use Zapier to to do things when emails come in, so they have to. Definitely, definitely. So these are things that we use all day, every day. I guess I'm in management, so now I get to write less code. But uh, <laughs> congratulations! <laughs> back in the day, back in the day, I got to use lots of APIs. So an API stands for Application Programming Interface. So pretty much anything that you interface with with code is an API. So you'll hear like Python's API, which doesn't mean that you're making an AJAX request to it or anything like that. It's just the way that the language is scaffolded and the way that you interact with it. And the same thing is true for libraries. You'll hear that, for example, D3 has a API. And so that's one category. But what you'll hear it referred to most is that you use these for data communication. So back-end engineer will create an API, and then the front-end engineer will ingest it and use it in their app. There are also third-party APIs, which would be if you use Twitter API in your own app without actually working for Twitter. And then there are internal APIs, which we have to work with all the time, where Twitter itself probably uses Twitter's API to render its user interface. So some of these are open to the public, and some are not. I use APIs a lot. All the time, forever. It's really nice to know that they're just kind of everywhere, but how exactly do you make one? Let's talk about that. How do you make one and how do you know that it's an API? Is it an API if nobody uses it? <laughs> what a deep question, Sydney. Uh, yeah, if an API fell in the woods, but nobody heard it. Just <laughs> I'm just saying. <laughs> how do you make one? <laughs> You can make an API in a lot of different ways. We're going to talk about the different types of APIs, so GraphQL and REST. At this point, you can even create an API without code, which I think is pretty pretty cool. We can talk about that. But 
you can also use any traditional programming language for the most part. I mean, I'm sure there are languages that you can't create an API with, like BrainFuck or something. <laughs> what? But for the most part, have you, what? It's like a really strange programming language. It's called what? BrainFuck. Okay, so I did hear that correctly. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm afraid no, to Google this, but here I go. It's like a, it's an esoteric programming language. It's oh. all like symbols. It's very strange. <laughs> what? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a very common oh. programming problem to have to implement the BrainFuck compiler. What in the world? Okay, I'm looking this up later. Yeah. We're going to yeah, see yeah, yeah. what... <laughs> We're going to see what... <laughs> I mean, maybe you can create an API with that. But for the most part, any typical programming language, there's like a framework or you can create an API natively within the language. But usually you'd use something like Flask on top of Python or Express on top of Node in order to make that a little bit easier and so that you'd have to write less code. So there, I would say, are an unlimited number of ways to create an API. Some people don't know. I'm just yeah. sure. We oh, for sure. For sure. It's a loaded pieces. question. There's a lot of... <laughs> it's a loaded You're question. Right, it definitely was loaded. <laughs> I'm like waiting to see Kelly's response on what is going on with BrainFuck because you're saying that this is like just symbols. You're, you're coding with symbols. That's fascinating. I yeah. am very intrigued by this and I feel like this needs to be like my next side project. <laughs> <laughs> Writing a compiler or just using it? Just using it. Yeah. Because... It'll be totally, totally useful. Yeah, it's awful. <laughs> like, the awful, awful, awful API for programming language. Like, it's all <laughs> using symbols. <laughs> I, I'll, I'll send you this GitHub just, we'll link this in our show notes or something, but it's it's not fun to write. <laughs> so yeah. why do we call it GitHub, but then we say gist? What if we called it a gist on GitHub. There's multiple ways of pronouncing G's Kelly. You know what? <laughs> Don't tell that to anybody GIF. that is like... This is one of my favorite arguments with my husband. He <laughs> says GIF and I say GIF. Yes. Oh, no. Oh, no. I, oh, no. I hate these arguments. Oh, help me. Somebody get me off this podcast. <laughs> I have some news for you. We just Are started we? recording this episode. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> I was just about to say, like, it's the same war with, like, GIF and GIF. Yes, I love it. Oh, no. Oh, no. I guess we have to ask them how to do it. It's like, do you see the one about ZSH versus Zish? Yes. Shell oh, recently? yes. Yeah. <laughs> do you think if enough, enough influencers start calling it GitHub, it might stick? Ooh, it would be very French of us. I think, right? That's kind of like a French-ish pronunciation. That'd be super fetch, yeah. yeah. I love it. <laughs> We're trying to bring that back. <laughs> These are what we need to be influencers for, is mispronouncing GitHub. <laughs> Backup crew. Got I'd be it. okay with making yeah. a petition, like actually doing that, seeing how many people sign and like get away with it. I'd love that. <laughs> yeah. Agreed. Agreed. <laughs> Um, so, <laughs> yeah, so BrainFuck is an example of a poor API for programming language where it's really hard to write. But let's talk a little bit more about how we use APIs in our daily life. So, Sydney, you were saying that you last used an API yesterday. What were you using that for without going into too many work details? Honestly, it was probably Twitter. 
<laughs> but um, I have started a personal project and I started using Next.js, which is, first off, I know we talked about it last season, but uh, I wasn't convinced yet that it was super cool. It's super freaking cool. Okay, like, I, I'm very just very interested in like tinkering with all the things with it. So I'm using React with it. And um, what, the, what was I doing? I um, started using one of the Pokemon APIs that are out there. Fun. So I'm trying to render up one, like, it's just like a task app. Like I'm just like clicking on like the profiles of like all the trainers and like trying to figure out like where that we can like sort their Pokemon and stuff. So uh, have I completely gotten anything to work yet? No, but it was really cute. I really liked kind of messing around with it. So I'll have to put the link in the show notes for you guys. It was really cute. That sounds fun. Yeah, it was super cute. I might like try and do something with um, maybe like a Pokeball designer like, Ooh. that would be really cute. That'd be something fun to do. So. I definitely think do that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'll see Hilly. if I can, Hello. like, start doing that and, like, have it put on my GitHub <laughs> so you guys can actually see. But that would be super cute. And we're, we're figuring that out. So I, I don't know. I would have to figure out, like, how exactly I want to do that. Um, might use SAS. Oh, I might try and use Vue with that. But we'll get into all those fun details a little bit later. So. <laughs> Cool, cool. Kelly, how about yeah. you? So I am building my first Shopify app right now. And Your first? Yeah. Well, I, okay. My first public <laughs> Shopify app. Okay. I was like, don't you do Good this point. as your job? <laughs> I, have, I have built, yes, I have built many Shopify apps for clients that are like single use apps. Okay. Uh, but this oh, is the first okay. one that's going to be sold in the Shopify app store. So Okay. Got it. Recurring cool. revenue Very once cool. I actually get it built. Um, and so I am currently using the uh, the, uh, the Shopify's GraphQL admin API a lot, a lot, a lot. Awesome, awesome. <laughs> I'm Do also, you like it? Oh yeah, absolutely love it. I'm having I'm having Great. so much fun. Um, I am learning the uh, drawbacks of bad documentation and having an outdated boilerplate. I love Shopify. Beautiful. This needs to be fixed. Beautiful. So yeah, I'm I'm having I'm having a really good time. I'm excited to get it launched. Um, actually, by the time this episode goes live, we will hopefully already have it launched. So that would be woo, super woo, exciting. Woo. Yeah, and then I can um, actually talk about it. What about you, Allie? <laughs> <laughs> Since you're in a managerial perspective now, like, what are you doing with APIs lately? I get to build a lot of APIs as part of my job because I work on Amplify or AWS Amplify, which allows you to create both REST and GraphQL APIs. And we'll talk about what both of those are in a few minutes. And so I do that a lot for talks where I get to build these APIs and then build front ends that pull them. So I'd say that that is probably where I've used them the most frequently now, other than, you know, programming language APIs and all that. I like creating APIs. I'm like, me too. Me too. Oh, I do too. <laughs> Any fun personal stuff you're doing right now with it? Oh, this is going to sound awful, but I think I'm like beyond the point in my career where I do code side projects. Maybe someday I'll have some idea for a really cool one that I want to do, but I'm just not there right now. I feel you. All right. Like, don't, That's like fair. This, this side project is a, a air quoting right now. Um, is a company. So yeah, it, yeah, 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 it has a purpose and it's something that is going to be sold. Uh, otherwise, yeah, I have not built 
something for fun in a very long time. Yeah, very much the same. Very much the same. I don't know. I think most of my time is more geared towards leveling up as a manager and figuring out that process rather than code. But That's maybe fair. someday. I mean, making sure that you're able to kind of refine like what exactly you're kind of doing in the present moment makes sense. So just, yeah. I'm yeah. <laughs> yeah, for sure. We did a side projects episode forever ago, and I think at that point we were all doing a bajillion side projects. And I mean, this almost like we've all like a side project. Yeah, well, it's and still kind of is. Yeah, yeah. So I don't know. Yes, I'm like in a different phase of life right now. I'm settling down, growing up, getting Aww. old. You're an adult now. <laughs> I'm an adult. Welcome. Um, it sucks here. Not that <laughs> having a bunch of side projects makes you not an adult. <laughs> I just have a dog to take care of now. <laughs> just I mean, technically, that's a side project. Your dog's yeah. a side project. Life. Exactly. It is. It is. It is. <laughs> and a house. Okay. Uh, okay. So different types of APIs. So I have on here GraphQL, REST, XML, and SOAP. Uh, we can probably take XML and SOAP off the list because they're kind of old-fashioned. I remember using them back in like 2015, 2016, and they were outdated then. So yeah. they're even more outdated now. They're not very fun uh, to parse. It's XML is like almost trying to parse through an HTML-like language to find information in. It's kind of a nightmare. It's pretty gnarly. I haven't even used a SOAP API, I don't think. Have you all? Nope. I remember no. I was, I had a client or a lead rather um, be like, yeah, we use this, this uh, point of sale system. They have an API you can use. It's a SOAP API. I'm like, we're not going to use that. <laughs> Reach reach back out when they have like rest or something like that. Right. <laughs> okay. I I may be the odd man out. What does SOAP stand for? I do <laughs> no not idea. remember for my life. What uh, does that stand let's for? Let's see. <laughs> oh, no. What does SOAP <laughs> Simple stand for? object access protocol. Ah. What the hell? Whoa. I mean, that sounds cute. Simple it, object access for, protocol. Yeah. Oh, boy. I, I never knew. Okay, then. Now, that's a cute name for something that's incredibly old-fashioned. So, Yeah, 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 yeah. Apparently, it has the, these advantages compared to REST. I'm just like reading from a website. Language platform and transport independence. REST requires use of HTTP. Works well in distributed enterprise environments. Oh, my favorite. Standardized. Everyone hates it together. Built-in error handling. Cool. Automation when used with certain language products. Oh, no. Oh, my goodness. Whatever makes you happy. I'm reading these articles now, and it's like, REST versus SOAP. This has been an issue for a while now. Like, I I mean. Has it? No. Like, a really long time. Like, like 20 years ago. The answer is no. (laughs) This is not a debate. It's not like a modern conversation, though. Uh, yeah, SOAP was built back in, like, 1998. Like, this is not, like, a recent, a recent debate. Okay, that's too funny. Anyways, um, so our, I would say that I would steer away from those, those, those models, and GraphQL and REST would be the two that I think are the most prominent right now. So GraphQL, 
Actually, if you, I went back a couple of years ago, I was pretty critical of GraphQL because it can be really difficult to build the back end for GraphQL API. It's a little bit more like the Wild West than creating a REST API, and especially depending on the programming language. Like, I think building a GraphQL API in Node is probably something that's pretty straightforward. But I was using Python, and at that point in history, it was not super fun to create. But GraphQL is really, really good at scale. And when you have a separate front-end and back-end team, that's when I personally lean towards GraphQL APIs. Uh, so a REST API, you make a request to a single endpoint, and then you get a certain set of data back. And that set of data is predetermined. So if you go to the items endpoint, then you get all of your items back, for example. Whereas a GraphQL API, you can send a query to the API and get different data back. So if you only want to have the items that are greater than $5 in price or something along those lines, you could do that with GraphQL, whereas via a REST API, you would need to create a second endpoint for the items that are greater than $5. And so GraphQL is much more flexible when you have those separated front-end and back-end teams because the front-end team can get exactly the data that they need. So it sounds like you're able to specify like what exactly you're wanting based on the actual query parameters that you're kind of like niching down towards to be able to like get the results, not all the results in those like specific, like bigger parameters, but like very nice and detailed when it comes to the parameters that you're setting. That yeah, makes sense. you can specify, you can send a query or a mutation and you can specify within that query or mutation what data you need or what data you need to change or create or anything like that. So it's all one endpoint, which is normally a post endpoint. And you do everything through that instead of having 50 different endpoints for one application. And an endpoint is just like a URL that you send things to or a thing that you make requests to. Uh, you may have heard of like Ajax requests or fetch requests, and that is where you make a request to get data back from an API, and you parse it and use it within your front end. That sounds beautiful. I have not personally done anything with GraphQL. I have done it a little bit professionally, but I wasn't the one that made anything. I had needed to like search a couple of the GraphQL uh, APIs that we had for like certain specific pieces of data and then like moved on with my business and my day, you know, <laughs> just, <laughs> it, it sounds very nice and verbose and very specific when you need to. And the attention to detail sounds amazing, but I haven't had the opportunity yet to kind of experiment with it. So maybe that's something that I'll do next. Yeah, yeah. Kelly, do you have any thoughts? I can go on about this for quite a bit of time, I, but I'll pass the mic. I'm really glad that Shopify has put a lot of efforts behind building out their GraphQL APIs. Um, they still have REST APIs available. There are some things that are only available via REST at the moment. But for everything I can, I usually use GraphQL. Uh, if it's like the storefront API or admin API, those are the ones that are going to be there that are more GraphQL focused. Um, but still using REST for like adding items to the cart because it's like a super easy endpoint, just like cart-add.js and send the, the data through and I'm done. So they both have their values, uh, you know, just depending on how you 
what you're trying to accomplish. Um, I like using both of them pretty regularly. Yeah, I would agree. GraphQL is really great for modeling relationships. So if you have data that's related to other data, you can query that related data all at once rather than hitting two different endpoints, one to get the parent item and one to get the child item, for example. Um, That's a really big benefit with GraphQL. I would also say that Again, it's really helpful when you have those separate front-end and back-end teams so that the front-end team can get exactly what they need and they don't need to ask the back-end team to make certain data available to them. Uh, That being said, I personally think that it can be overkill if you're a full-stack application developer because it can make it so that you're having to do more work on the back-end to build out this API that's a little bit more difficult to create. And then you're having to use the verbosity of GraphQL on the front end. So for a REST API, you can do fetch and then slash items in order to get that list of items back. Whereas GraphQL, you would need to send this mutation to the end, or sorry, not the mutation, the query to the endpoint that has every single field that you want back from items in order to get them. And so that's like seven lines of code or something if you have seven fields, whereas for a REST API, that would be one line of code. And so that's something that I really noticed when I first used GraphQL was that I had to write a lot more code to get the same stuff back if it was a simple application. So I think GraphQL is really, really great at scale. And I also really enjoy managed GraphQL services. So you may have heard of Hasura. And what they do is they create GraphQL APIs where you don't really have to write any code. You just go into their user interface and specify the fields and relationships that you need. And then they deploy a Postgres database with a GraphQL layer on top of it. AWS AppSync is another one of these where the data layer is usually DynamoDB, but you can make it a different database instead. So I really like those GraphQL services because they make it so that you don't need to write that more complicated backend. That's just done for you. You just point and click and create your data and then have an API. I'm definitely excited to experiment then. That sounds so much fun. I'm like writing these down. I'm like, okay, how can I, how will I be able to use these next time? (laughs) That's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. GraphQL for me has been an eventual love. Like I really, really enjoy working with it now, but I did not, I did not immediately see the need for it, especially as a solo developer. That makes sense. Well then what is kind of going on with REST then? What's, what's the love there? What can we talk about with that? Yeah, so I would say that this is probably still the most popular model for APIs. It's kind of the de facto and has been historically. So I think GraphQL is kind of the newcomer in this space, though it came out in like 2015. So it's not not that new new anymore. (laughs) It's so funny because I'm still like, oh my goodness, these things are so new, but they're (laughs) really just not anymore. And I feel like I'm just old. so it's because you're old. It's because we're all old. Yeah, we're all old. So REST stands for represent REST. Oh my goodness, words are so difficult. <laughs> Representational state transfer. And you make different requests. There's put, post, delete, and get. Get request is to get some sort of data back. Put is to update data. Post request is to create new data. Delete is to delete data. And so you would have a REST API with these different endpoints or different routes that give you different data or allow you to change data in certain ways. So you'd have a bunch of different routes that you could go to and 
do different things. And so they are relatively straightforward to build in most programming languages. Like you can find that pretty, pretty easily and it's pretty standardized. So I think that's the real benefit of Rust is that most developers are going to be pretty used to it. And so they're not going to have to learn anything additional like they would have to for GraphQL. Although maybe that's less true now. Maybe people are learning GraphQL out of the gate, but at least historically people have learned REST and then had to teach themselves GraphQL to catch up with it. That's me. That's where we're at right now. So I'm having as much fun with it as I can. And I'm also shaking my head. (laughs) Cause... Oh, it's it's been a, it's been rough, but we're getting there. We're figuring it out. <laughs> figuring it out. Yeah, that's that's every day, right? <laughs> right. Every day is something Life. new. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So let's talk a little bit. We've talked about how to pull APIs. So GraphQL, you'd usually some, use something like Apollo or some library to interface with GraphQL. You can even just send a GraphQL request via fetch in that works as well. So it's not like you have to use a special fancy library. You can just make an AJAX request like normal with that GraphQL query and the endpoint that you're trying to get. But most of the time you'll see a library like Apollo to connect to GraphQL. Um, That being said, normally you fetch on your front end, your REST API with something like fetch or AJAX or whatever new hot library there is these days. <laughs> right. Again, I'm like, oh, like Fetch is very new. Like they just support this in the browser and no, oh, it's been around for so long. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I remember like having to use dollar sign Ajax for everything. Like you just Beautiful. need jQuery and app, yeah, <laughs> for, for just making Ajax requests. I remember when I did my, my first Fetch request and I was like, wait, that's literally all I need to do. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. This like, chef's kiss. Whoa. <laughs> Perfect. Why is uncoupled code documentation bad? And what does that even mean? At Swim.io, they believe developers deserve code documentation that they can trust. Swim's continuous documentation tool helps teams create code-coupled docs that are auto-synced with their code every time the code changes across multiple repositories. Swim helps teams ramp up new developers easily, enable a culture of knowledge sharing, and ship code faster. Swim's continuous documentation pulls from the CI/CD. It is easy to deploy and keeps teams afloat and happy. Swim beta is now available on swim.io. Join Swim on their community channel and learn more about their continuous documentation manifesto on swim.io. This episode is supported by Compiler an original podcast from Red Hat discussing tech topics big, small, and strange. Compiler is brought to you by the creators of Command Line Heroes and is hosted by Angela Andrews and Brent Simino. It's no secret that technology can be complicated and frankly, a little intimidating. Compiler unravels industry topics, trends, and the things you've always wanted to know about tech by interviewing the people who know it best. I checked out the Should Managers Code episode where the hosts discuss the 80-20 rule. 80% of a manager's time is typically devoted to managing, while 20% is devoted to coding and problem solving. They discuss how it can be hard to close the door on your identity as a creator, something many new managers struggle with. The hosts also discuss how you can keep your skills sharp when most of your time is spent managing. I thoroughly enjoyed this episode, and I know you will too. 
Listen to Compiler on Apple Podcasts or anywhere you listen to podcasts. We'll also include a link in the show notes and many thanks to Compiler for their support. But then there's the back end side of creating API. And again, you can use any programming language that you liked for this. So Node.js, Python, Ruby, you name it, Java, any of these things you can build uh, API using them. And so let's talk a little bit about what goes into building an API and what makes an API good. Anybody want to start out with their ideas on what makes an API good? Oh, I have one. Good to use. Yeah. Yeah, go ahead. Stop putting your APIs behind a password. Oh, interesting. Okay. Let me, let okay. me, let me. Let me. <laughs> You're going to have to dive into that yes. one. That's okay. a hot take. Security for your API is very important. Yeah. Please do that. Having it, having some level of, however, like authentication for the API, definitely do that. Even if it's a small project that nobody else is going to be using, you do not want them to have access to that API on accident. So right. add a layer of authentic- authentication to your API. Please don't put your API docs behind a password. That's what I meant to say. Oh, okay. Okay. Oh my goodness. That <laughs> makes so much API more sense. Make your API free and open to everyone. Yeah. I was like, Kelly, ah, you know, like, I want to have private data. Would you like <laughs> to well actually <laughs> me? <laughs> yeah, that's not a little bit of what I was thinking. But uh, API docs, yes. If you can make those public, unless it's like an internal API and then just make those available to everybody at your company if possible. At Which would, would probably say. be in some sort of like intranet. If you're, if there's literally an internal API. Yeah, exactly. Right. Exactly. Okay. That's, that's good. Also having good docs for your API oh, is yes. super important. Oh my making sure that you're documenting what different values are. Yep. How to get certain data back. Provide examples if you can. Examples. In different, provide examples. With different oh languages as well is really helpful. If you want to do like PHP yes. and Ruby and you know, <laughs> what else or whatever else or yeah. Um, and, and yeah, show the full response of what you expect to get back as well. Yeah, I that's so huge. I even think that having examples of like how to make a oh wait, what's the what's the one that's in the command line? I'm like curl. Curl. Oh my goodness. Yeah. I was going to say that bash. all the time. Yes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I was, was going like, to say bash too. <laughs> no. Oh my goodness. I like having the example of how to make a curl request because that's what I use to test APIs usually. And then also I can usually convert that curl request to any programming language. So if you just show me JavaScript, it's a little bit harder for me to translate that to Python. But if you show me a curl request, I can convert it to Python much easier than a JavaScript one. So I don't know. That makes sense. Two cents right there. So yeah. quite often I'm seeing docs that don't have JavaScript. So I have to convert it to JavaScript. And I usually like am looking at PHP docs for it. And I'm like, I mean, I understand Beautiful. what's happening here, but it's not ideal. Um, yeah. I have another one that I'm very passionate about. Add versioning to your API. Yes. Oh my God. Oh, yeah. Huge one. So Shopify yeah. didn't add versioning to their API until 2019. I think oh, 2019 no. 04 was the first ever... Uh, API version for yeah, um, wow, and it was re- it was a huge deal. Obviously, well, people they they had to explain why versioning was necessary. Which okay, I guess if you've never had to deal with it, but everyone had to. It was a breaking change. Everyone had to update their app in order to uh, include the version into the uh, into the the query what they were calling. Um, so it was a whole thing. A lot of things broke as well. But now we're better. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. 
No, this is a huge one. I remember I used to build, so I had an app at one of the companies that I worked for that was all based off of a third party API we were paying for. And one night they just decided to change the structure of their API. And then my whole entire application broke. I had to rewrite it from scratch like that morning. Like wow. it was a disaster. No, yes. I assume no like warning. No that this warning. Was no warning. Wow. No nothing. It was just like they changed the API structure and I had to rebuild my my scripts. So that's a really important thing to have versioning. So if you have breaking changes, you don't break everything that relies on that API, especially if you're charging people for it. <laughs> exactly. And also, <laughs> if you're going to make any kind of breaking changes, announce it ahead of time. Give people time Please. to like adjust. Like I like that Shopify does quarterly updates to their API. So it's every single every single quarter that's going to be a new one. Uh, but you can uh, you can see the unstable ones that is not actually released yet, and you can see they have at the very top what's going to be a breaking change, and they're telling everybody. And then you have two years after that API version that is still going to be supported, and then after two years you do have to, to upgrade it. It's a pretty good system. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. So you don't have to support the legacy API for forever, but you do support it for a while so that people can still use it and don't have a short time frame to update their code. I would also say to have a simple data format. So if you can have it so that the data isn't like wildly nested or doesn't have additional keys that aren't needed. So you have to go like this dot, this dot, this, that, that in order to access any data from the API. Like we've all dealt with one of those and oh, nobody yeah. wants to. And so make I sure flashbacks. Oh yeah. 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 <laughs> so make sure to have it be a simple data format. Usually JSON is what people are going to interact with. So maybe don't have an XML API and are here 2020. Um, <laughs> also there are different authentication systems for APIs like API key, like Kelly mentioned, or you can also have like, what's the one that like a basic off or, or OAuth basic or something like that. OAuth, like yeah. all these different options for authenticating your API. Like make sure you document that and show how to use it because I know that that's been my difficulty using Twitter's API, for example, <laughs> in some things is that there's different authentication methods and it can be kind of difficult to, to use. So definitely document that and how people can actually use your API. I love the APIs that auto-generate the documentation based off of your exact information. So Airtable does this. I want to give them huge props for this, is that Ooh. Airtable's API you have your Airtable base. So Airtable is like kind of like Google Sheets or something like that, but more interactive. So they'll generate an API based off of your table and to give examples in their API documentations with your exact fields that you're going to put for your base that you created. It's going to plug your API key into the sample code that they're showing. It's going to do all of that. I think that's really, really cool. And we should aspire for that if at all possible. That just... <sighs> Beautiful. Yeah. Gotta love it. <laughs> that's love the only it. thing that I can say. That's beautiful. <laughs> oh, that sounds so nice and so easy. That's perfect for a lazy <laughs> programmer. <laughs> I think another good one to, to call out is when you're creating an API that is going to be used by other people, when you first launch it, you don't have to launch with literally every endpoint possible. 
Oh, yeah. Get a, get a base established, get like the core functionality available via the API. And then you can continue to add additional endpoints as they're being requested by others or as you have time, you probably have your own roadmap, but you don't need to wait to launch your API until you have access to literally everything because I guarantee you'll forget at least one thing. Yeah, agreed. I think the other thing to think about is making the API flexible too. So maybe allow people to add query parameters so that they can get different types of information back or something along those lines, or just make a GraphQL API and have that have that out of the box. But think about your developers, who's using the API, what their use cases are, what their needs are. Talk to some customers or consumers of that, whether that's internal or external, and think about what they're going to be needing and plan for that upfront. Yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, remember who is actually going to be using this. You're building this for them. You're not building this for yourself. Talk, Actually talk to people. Just like any kind of product or service you're going to be offering, <laughs> yeah. find out who your customer base is first and then build what they need. Agree. Minimum viable product. <laughs> yes. Exactly. MVP. Think about Woo-hoo! developer experience. Developer yes. experience is important. And as developers, we all know how important it is to have a good developer experience. So, um. If you're in part of that developer experience is supporting the API. So if people are running into issues, if something's broken about it, try to respond in a reasonable amount of time saying, hey, you're looking into it. And then because nobody, there have been so many situations where I have used APIs for various services, products, whatever. And I run into like walls of like, I can't do what I need to do. This endpoint doesn't exist. Do you have this on your roadmap? And they'll be like, well... I mean, we have this API, but we're not really doing much with it. So what you see is what you get. I'm like, cool, thanks. Why build this if you can't do anything with it? It's really fun when you need APIs to talk to each other as well to do things. And they just can't. (laughs) And they can't. (laughs) I haven't gotten to that experience yet professionally, or at least like not in my like realm that I've needed to like go scream and fight and bite and pull people's hair about it. But I, I know the pain. I know the pain of having to like try and communicate when we're looking for something to be done. And it's like, no, it's not on our, it's not on our radar yet. So sorry. It's not going to be done in like six months. And it's like, we kind of need this now. So thanks for letting us kind of like fall on the sword (laughs) by yourselves. And like somebody's sales team will be like, yeah, we have a great API you know, it's super easy to use. They don't give you access to the docs yet until you sign on. Then you get in there and you're like, this is spaghetti. What is this? <laughs> There's nothing visual. There's nothing flexible about <laughs> it. Oh, nice, nice passwords that you're needing to like go and figure out with other people. Yeah, it's, that's, ugh. I'm having flashbacks now. <laughs> that sounds horrible. Well, I think we talked about APIs. Any other things to talk about within APIs? Be safe. Make sure that you're not putting your API and all of your security stuff out there in the open on GitHub. I've definitely done that before. <laughs> That's one of the most painful things to see is people committing their, their like, especially committing your, like, .env yeah. file to GitHub and, like, please no. stop doing that. Especially your, your AWS keys. Like, oh... <laughs> Do you have, like, a scraper that just, like, crawls through GitHub and, like, finds them to, like, send that person? Oh, you don't have to have access to Well, I guess you have to know their key. You know the key, the account the key is assigned to, and you can email them being like, hey, you doofus, please don't do this. (laughs) 
I think GitHub does. I've definitely gotten emails and warnings oh, yeah. before where they're like, hey, this isn't necessary to have on your GitHub. Oh. This might be like a risk. So make sure that you actually like look at it and see if you want to delete this or you want to hide it, ignore it, blah, blah, blah. So they definitely do something. I don't know if it's like as big as like a scrubber and be like, hey, like this like needs to be turned off in an emergency or something, but they have something to that like parameter where they're at least warning you about it. If I were to leave some kind of like parting advice, I would say if you're brand new to building an API and you need to build an API for some purpose, I would recommend starting with REST. Just get your, you know, dip your toes into the world of creating APIs and see how they work. And then if you want to, and only if you want to, if it's applicable, you can then create a GraphQL API. But understand REST is totally fine. Unless, okay, I'll add a caveat to that though. It depends on why you want to build an API. If you want to be just a front-end developer and build something that's full stack, you can totally use a managed GraphQL service and you'll have something without a huge amount of effort. But if you're doing this in order to learn how to build an API, then I would start with REST. I think that that's super, super valid. And then learn how to create a GraphQL API after that, because it's usually a little bit more involved in most programming languages. But try something like Flask if you know Python or Express if you know Node.js. Express was my foray into building an API. Okay, yeah, there you go, there you go. Mine was Flask and then, I don't know, probably something on top of Ruby on Rails to create an API on top of that. And then Django REST Framework is another one that I used to use all the time. But those are just some things to Google if you want to build your own API. What are your some what are some of your favorite resources to experiment with APIs within like just start Ooh. to build them? Okay. What about APIs that people could use? I know that there's um like the dad jokes API? Yes. I know that the Weather Channel has one. Um, there's a couple of Pokemon ones out there. Yes. So, um, gosh, one of my favorites is the Cat API. It's free Wait, to what? use. Yeah. <laughs> Their website says, because every day is Catter Day. It's, it's a thing of beauty. Yes. <laughs> Um, they do have a free option for more. If you're just playing around with, uh, with APIs and you're not building, well, I don't know why you need this, a paid version, but it's free. So, and you can access like different breeds and different images and stuff like that. So it's kind of fun. I think there's a GIF one out there too, somewhere. I've heard of this somewhere. Maybe I'm wrong. I'll need to go look up the link and actually give it to you guys for the show notes, but there's so many. Yeah, I think Giphy has one. But a lot of social media sites has them too. So if you want to work with one that has authentication built in, like either API key or OAuth, then you could try like Twitter's API and it will have a little bit more of an on-ramp to building with it. But it could be a really good experience because at work, for the most part, you're going to be working with private APIs and you'll have to do that API authentication there. I I also also give a Shopify. Like Shopify's APIs are great. (laughs) Yes. There you go. Another thing that I would also recommend is OneGraph, which is a really cool tool that allows you to bring together a single GraphQL endpoint for all your SaaS APIs. So if you have like your Twitter API, your your personal Twitter API, your Instagram API, your Dev2 API, you can 
link all them through one graph and make it into a GraphQL API. It's so cool. I just found out about mm. this relatively recently, but I really like using it. So maybe check that out. I'll link it in the show notes. Perfect. I was thinking if there was anything cool. on front-end masters with APIs. I think they're just like kind of like you use APIs in, in these things, but I don't think there's actually yeah. one that's like build an API. Yeah, um, I would oh, agree. Um, Scott Moss, REST and GraphQL API design and node using Express Ooh, and MongoDB. Boom. That would be great. He creates, he creates great, great content. Like his YouTube videos are the prettiest things I've ever seen. Yeah? Oh. I haven't seen Yes. Yeah. No, it's like full production value. I think he's a software engineer at Netflix. And it is wild, wild. We can link that in the show notes too. He's got a ton of stuff <laughs> on here. Yeah, that's that's yeah. actually a really great, uh, a really great option. Yeah, I'll link his YouTube, and we'll also link those. But he has a video that's like how a high school dropout became an engineer, and. Again, the production quality on this, like you could put this on Netflix. This is amazing. Um, so highly recommend. Cool. Let's do a round of shout outs. Sydney, you want to start? Uh, yeah, sure. So um, I am shouting out myself because Yay! I just spent a lot of money on just some really cool stuff that I won't like bother with all the world knowing, but... I am very happy right now that all this is done and there's some great changes that are coming. So I'll let you know, but shout out to me. I deserve all this credit. Okay. Just all of it's coming to me, but I appreciate you guys for the support because oh, it's been a long week. So <laughs> there's that. How about you, Kelly? I'm so excited for you. I am so excited <laughs> for you. Um, my shout out uh, this week is for the Shopify developer community. Um, as I mentioned, I am building my first public-facing Shopify app, which is definitely a different process from building a custom app or a private app. And I've had so many people reach out to help me with Shopify-related things. I've had so many people just in the React community uh, reach out as well outside of Shopify. being like, let me know if you have any questions. I'd be more than happy to answer, offering to pair with me. And I think that's, I think that's the coolest because I, I'm, in, I'm in new territory right now, and I've, I'm having so much fun building for the first time in a very long time. But the, the community surrounding me is really, really helping, really, really helping me. So that's, that's mine. So great. Congratulations. Thanks. Yay. Ellie, what about you? <laughs> that's awesome. Mine is actually an old book, The Happiness Project by Gretchen Rubin. She talks about her year-long journey into finding happiness. And I think it's really cool. She had this system that she came up with and prioritizing that. So I'm finding it very inspiring and reading it right now. So would recommend. Awesome. If you like this episode, tweet about it. We'll select one tweeter to win a front end master's license. So be sure to tweet. We post new podcasts every Monday. So make sure to subscribe to hear all about them and leave us a review. We love reading them. Reviews make us very happy. Very much so. I love it. <laughs> <laughs>